Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings, salutations, and hello. We are back for another edition of the most audacious podcast on the web. That's right, we're talking about the Audacious Living Podcast. My name is Audley Stevenson, and it's a pleasure as always to be here with you as we continue our goal of helping you live your best audacious life ever. Uh, Of course, our our social media channels are are the best way to connect with us. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'd encourage you to like, follow, and share, as well as subscribe to videos on our YouTube channel by clicking that subscribe button. Now, I'm really excited about today's episode. You know, it's a complete honor and privilege to welcome an absolute legend to the podcast. I'm talking about none other uh, than Jim Cathcart. He's a a member of the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame. He's a world-renowned author, has traveled the globe teaching sales, marketing, and motivation strategies to audiences worldwide. And he continues to motivate individuals to be the best version of themselves after 40 years of working in the personal development space. Just, he just had a phenomenal career. And if all that wasn't enough, Jim is also the creator and founder of the Acorn Principle, which is a concept focused on the seed of potential that exists inside all of us. Now, let me just explain for a second. You see, each and every single one of us have our own seed of potential that's inside of us. And with a little bit of self-awareness and belief, we can unlock that greatness and do incredible and great things. All the great stuff that we were meant to do, the things that we were born to do, the things that we were supposed to do. The key is really about taking that first step and unlocking our greatness. So we talk about that. Uh, You know, Jim talks about his early days uh, in the speaking industry uh, when he first started out. He'll share why he'll never retire. And at one point in the conversation, I actually inspire him with a story from my personal life. And, uh, oh yeah, you know what? There was was another point in our conversation that Jim puts his passion for music on display when he pulls out his guitar and strums a few chords for us. Uh, You know, like I said, it's a great conversation from top to bottom. And I promise you that by the end of it all, you'll walk away both inspired and motivated. So without any further ado, Here's my conversation with Jim. Enjoy. Jim Cathcart is a world-renowned professional speaker, author, and business leader who's written more than 20 books, delivered more than 3,300 speeches, and is a member of the Professional Speaker Hall of Fame. Jim is the founder and creator of the ACORN Principle, which is a concept that focuses on the inner potential that exists within all of us. By tapping into our inner greatness, we're opening the door to live the life of our dreams. Get ready because Jim is up next on the Audacious Living Podcast.
Um, so again, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, the, the the podcast, uh, uh, it's, uh, the Audacious Living podcast, is really about being bold and being audacious. And um, what I really thought and what makes sense, uh, especially in, in your work, and obviously you look at the Acorn Principle. I think that's really based on that that foundation of being your bold, audacious self. And so, yeah, thought you maybe maybe, maybe Jim, let's let's kind of start there in terms of boldness and and maybe when, when you when you if you're to categorize, if you will. You know, what is boldness to you? Well, how would you, how would you frame that? Boldness? I would say it's living with full confidence. It's, it's uh, being, um, letting all your power go, for, go out, go forward without any reservations of fear, self-doubt, uh, things like that. So, so bold, bold to me is, is like the perfect mode to be in. You know, <laughs> right, 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 and 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 you, you and you sort of touched on the fear and self doubt. The self doubt, particularly, I think that that's a, a a hurdle for a lot of people, an obstacle in terms of getting past that. I wonder if you sort of touch on what doubt. I would what's, say what's, more than a lot of people. I would say even maybe most people. Right. Uh, you know, self doubt is just as common as skin. Mm. Man, I mean, it's everywhere. And it's, it's always rooted in either a wrong point of view or a, a justified fear. Right. You know, like uh, if, if you're five foot three and you're trying out for the National Basketball Association, right. uh, your self-doubt's well-founded. Right. <laughs> right. But, you know, most of the time it's based in, in uh, misconceptions or sure. messages we got from some parent figure earlier in our life, not necessarily a parent, but it could have been a boss or a teacher, or a, sure. a coach, you know, any kind of an authority figure you looked up to. And you didn't have, even have to admire them. All you had to do was feel that they had more power than you. And so you took their words to heart as if they were true. Right. Well, says who? Right. True. right? True. You remember Robert Blake? Um, he was a, a child actor in the Little Rascals a hundred thousand years ago, and then he played um, which character was he? Little Feather or something like that in the uh, one of the movies about Custer's Last Stand. Okay. And then he went on to have his own series, and and uh, I've forgotten what he. It was like Serpico. I've forgotten what his character's name was. Right, right, Robert right. Blake and I had the same voice coach in L.A. Okay. years back. And um, I pulled up one day and he was still there and he had a, a, a white, like a Bronco or, you know, something like that, okay. which reminds me of O.J. Simpson. Anyway, uh, it, uh, his license plate was S-E-Z okay. W-H-O. Says who? And that so epitomized his attitude. Now, he's not a guy that you should necessarily emulate, but, but that concept yeah. says who? That question would be a good one for all of us to ask every day. Right. You know, hey, you have to wear a mask in order to be safe from the disease. Okay, says who? Right. You know, fine, I'll comply, but let's let's look at the science behind this and see if that's really true. Because I remember years ago I was traveling in China. I, uh -huh. I did for the last five years many lecture tours in mainland China, okay. twenty-three different cities. Right. Uh, 2019, I did 71 days in country and six separate trips. Wow. 
And I remember people, this was long before COVID, sure. people were wearing masks a lot of the time when they would travel. Okay. And I said to my agent, what's that about? Right. Well, they don't want to get sick. I said, well, a mask won't keep you from getting sick. It'll keep what you have inside. Right. It right. won't keep the outside from getting in. Right. He said, well, they don't believe it that, you know, and, and okay, so says who, right. right? This keeps me safe, says who, mom. Is mom medical? No. Right. 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 Yeah. 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 So the says who question is an important one. And uh, it's something that we should be asking ourselves and not solely just relying on what you heard or what you think, or you talked about the limiting sort of beliefs in your, in our own minds. Right. Exactly. Or someone says, you know, I'm not good at selling says who. Right. I I thought I was bad at selling. And how did I know? Because I failed at it. I sold for two and a half years or one and a half years. I sold mutual funds and life insurance for investors, diversified services, IDS. It was 1970 and 71. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't making enough money to pay the rent. So I had to quit and go get another job. And I was convinced I couldn't sell. Mm -hmm. But the way I was selling oddly was I I would memorize the sales talk and go door to door and perform it. I wasn't going out to help people. I wasn't going out to solve problems. I wasn't going out to make families financially secure. I was going out to sell my mutual funds and life insurance. Well, no wonder I didn't succeed. And also I was 23 years old with rosy cheeks and black hair and lots of it. And I looked about four. Okay. And, uh, you know, who's going to invest with somebody like that? Right. Plus, my attitude was wrong. Mm-hmm. So they said, Jim, you can't sell. Says who? Yeah, well, says that. Well, then I found a guy who believed in me more than I did. Mm-hmm. And he said, come with me and let's discover how much more successful you could be. Wow. Harold Gash, he became my mentor. He introduced me to the recordings of Earl Nightingale. Yes. I listened to them fanatically for uh, almost five years. During that time, I went from being a government clerk to being a full-time trainer and speaker, and then went on to the top of that industry and won every award in the world that they give to professional speakers. Now I've written 20 20 books, um, delivered 3,300 speeches and been inducted in the Speaker Hall of Fame. What? I've also been inducted and wait for it, the Sales and Marketing Hall of Fame in London. (laughs) The guy who couldn't sell. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's and it. I've sold millions of dollars worth of training materials and other, other goods and services over the years. Yeah, yeah. Says who, right? That's a good Yeah. So says. there's two, two things I want to share today above all. Yep. These are quick little things that could change the direction of your results. Yep. Okay. One is the says who question. Mm. Always, you know, comply if you need to. Do the right thing, the smart thing, the legal yep. thing, all that. Yep. Sure. Always question who said that? Who decided this was true? Right. What's that based on? Is that based on fact or just a momentary experience like mine? Yep. Um, and then the second thing is this one. Yet, one of the coolest words on earth. Man, I don't think I can do that. What? I don't think I can do that. What? I don't think I can do that yet. Aha. Uh-huh. Game changed. What changed about the game? 
Well, yet means with the current resources or under these circumstances right. or with the knowledge I'm limited by today or, you know. What that, yeah. when, when we add that yet, what it also says is I'm not done. I haven't given up. That's I right. haven't quit. And that sends a real strong message. So yeah, yeah <laughs> I think that's a great point. Yet is, is like, I like that one. You're going to love this one. Someone asked me when I moved here to Austin, Texas from California last year, they said, uh, so are you retired? I said, well, no, uh, but I'll tell you what, you can come to my retirement party. Now they may call it a funeral, <laughs> but it's my retirement party. Why would I stop right. no. when I love what I'm doing and, and I still have my mental faculties, you know, and I can do it as long as I can yeah. form a coherent thought and do something useful, there's no reason for me to quote, retire. Well, well Jim, and, I, and, I, so, and you look at over the course of your career, you're, you're, you're probably at the point now where you're giving back, right? And you're making a difference to other, whether they speakers spending time on my podcast, that you're mm -hmm. giving back and sharing your learnings and your wisdoms. And so why would you even want to stop doing that? Like Exactly. I mean, look at Peter Drucker, the man that's known for creating management of people as we know it, you know, from the 20th century. Uh, Peter Drucker, very famous man, has a school named after him at, at uh, uh, the university in, in uh, Los Angeles area. And um, he was still going at 97 years old. I mean, I heard him speak when he was like 93 or something in Chicago. I was there in the audience with hundreds and hundreds of others. And he's, he had an Austrian accent, it never went away. He'd been in America forever, but came from Austria. And he says, I no longer teach the management of people at work. And, and we all looked at each other and then at him as, in amazement and said, what? You're the guy. I mean, you are the one that popularized the management of people at work. <laughs> what do you mean you're no longer teaching it? He said, I no longer think that's what's most important. He said, now I teach managing yourself. Mm. He said, you develop the strengths and you make your weaknesses irrelevant. Mm. And I thought, boom, you know, mic drop moment. That was great. That's a game uh, but he said here at 93 years old, he was rethinking what he taught. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. You know, the founder of the National Speakers yeah. Association was Cavett Robert, and that's a statue of him behind that microphone rig, yeah. Yeah. right? Cavett Robert, uh, he founded the National Speakers Association, for professional speakers, yeah. when he was 62, 63 years old. I mean, that, that no, no, later, because he started professional speaking at 62 or 63 years old. And the uh, first time he gave a paid speech, he felt he did so badly, he went up to his hotel room and cried in his 60s. But then he went on to become famous and, and very, very wealthy as a professional speaker. And then he created the National Speakers Association. Well, Cabot used to sit on the front row and just soak up whatever anybody else was, was speaking about at the speakers' conventions. And uh, I mean, here's a guy who just never stopped right. learning. Right, right. And, 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 yeah, and that goes back to lifelong learning. It, it doesn't stop. Yeah. So for you to go back to, we talked earlier, for you to say, I'm retiring now, 
you know, you think of what potential things you might be missing out on because of that. Well, exactly. And, and think about if, if you stop learning, yep. then you more or less are telling the, your body and your mind and the universe, okay, I'm done. I'm out. Uh, you know, don't put me on your list to see if Jim has shown up today. Just, just ignore me. I'm done. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Well, when you tell your body, you don't need it any longer, it behaves accordingly. In other words, most people who retire around age 65, sure. which has been the typical retirement age, and by the way, that was chosen years ago as retirement age because life expectancy was less than 65. Oh, so if you live beyond normal life expectancy, right. then okay, you get your retirement pay. By the way, at the turn of the 20th century, uh -huh. so 100 and change, 120 odd years ago, uh -huh. average life expectancy in the United States was age 43. Wow. Average. Now it's what, 78 or, or something like that, uh, which is only four years ahead of where I am right now. Right. Seriously, I'm 74. Yeah, yeah. And uh, people would retire at 65. And then they would say, okay, uh, I guess I'll hunt and fish and play golf and, and take trips with the grandkids and, uh, and crochet and uh, work in my workbench, you know, work, yep, do woodworking yep. and things. Yep. And, and people just occupy their time with something that was not profoundly meaningful to them, except for the grandkids part. Sure, sure. And, um, and their mind and body would just start to atrophy it's kind of like, well, not as not kind of like, there's a book I want to recommend. Younger Next Year by Chris Crowley okay. and Henry Lodge, I think. Okay. Uh, but Chris Crowley is the lead author on it and it's called Younger Next Year and there are now numerous versions of it. Chris Crowley is in his mid to late 80s. The subtitle of his book is How to Live Like 50 Until You're 90 and Beyond. And he says, one thing you must do after you turn, say, 60 years old, is you must, you've got a new part-time job for the rest of your life. Exercise one hour a day, six days a week, without fail, to remind your body it's needed. And when he said exercise, he meant challenge your body. Right, right. You know, sure. Lifting weights, trying things that, that really tax you. One thing I do, I do 100 push-ups a day, every day. And I'll do 70 or 80 nonstop and then go back on my knees and catch my breath and then do the others. And I've got a record of it in my little pocket calendar. Right. And you can see yeah. right there how many <laughs> I did and then a comma and how many I did after catching yeah. my breath. Yeah. And Monday was a record for me, 86 nonstop. Nice. Um, but that's just to remind my body, you ain't done, dude. Right. I need you to show up. And I want to learn every day because who said knowledge has stopped, has stopped expanding? That's right. So yeah. at what point could you or I know enough? We don't need to know anything new. Never. Just Never. It's ongoing. Okay, it's boomer, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want to become irrelevant? There's your quick road to irrelevancy. Well, well yeah. And there, there's just so much. The, the world has so much to offer that I don't see 
it's humanly impossible for someone to say, okay, I know all I need to know. There's just yeah. so much evolving. I mean, again, you, you, you heard Peter Drucker talk about, you know, now he's changed at 93 that he's now yeah. his life's teaching and he's focused somewhere else. So it's, 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 it, is, it is absolutely <laughs> mind blowing. I, 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 I so love your blue sneaker story because uh, uh, what that really talks about is sort of that, the daily things that we can do to make changes for, for the better. Um, I, I, I'll ask you to share that, but I guess the piece I'm really wondering about, Jim, is, is was that very, very like methodical in terms of this is how I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to do to achieve my goal? Which story are you talking oh, to? Sorry, the, the blue sneakers, right? You had the sneakers. Oh, blue sneakers. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> On the cover of the book. Oh, yeah. That's right. The Motivation Handbook. Here's the latest version of the book, The Power Minute. Okay. Yeah. Published in March of, or April of 2020. Okay. It, it used, used to be called the Self-Motivation Handbook. That's right. Okay. And it's uh, 336 one-minute ideas. Yes. Each one takes one minute to read uh, on how to motivate yourself and others. Yes. And you see those sneakers? Yes. Well, here's the story. <laughs> when I was... 23, 24 years old, I weighed 200 pounds. I currently weigh 150 or maybe 148. Um, I was a fat kid. So I, I'm not big fat, just fat. And uh, never was an athlete, never in shape. And I, at age 26, so this is about 1983, two, three, four. Um, I was smoking two packs a day working at the Urban Renewal Agency, the Housing Authority in Little Rock, Arkansas. <clears throat> and I had no college degree, no money in the bank, didn't know anybody with money, had never been encouraged to become a big deal in any, any endeavor. You know, I'd never, never been an achiever or a, a academic or an athlete or all that. Uh, the mom and dad weren't saying, son, you could be president of the United States or king of the world or leader of your industry. They just wanted me to be a nice guy and be a responsible adult and live a good life. Okay. So I'm married. It's 19. Uh, I'm going to be specific to one moment in that passage. 1972, working at the housing authority. And I'm an assistant to a guy who doesn't need one. Okay. His name's Bob Moore, and he's not busy. So I'm his assistant, and neither am I. Right, right. And I'm, I'm just sitting there bored. And in the next room, the radio's playing, and there's a podcast by Audley Stevens. No, it wasn't. It was a radio broadcast, right. the equivalent of a podcast Absolutely. in those yep. days, yep. by a man named Earl Nightingale, the Dean of Personal Motivation. He's on 900 radio stations around the world at that time. And what he said that day changed the direction of my entire life. He said, if you will spend one hour extra every day studying your chosen field, just studying your chosen field, in five years or less, you'll be a national expert in that field. And I did the math. I thought hour extra a day, so it's five days a week, 50 weeks a year, five years, 1,250 hours. Wow. Yeah. Anybody would be a leading expert on any subject, brain surgery or rocket science. 
science. Yep. If, if they did that, what do I want to be an expert at? I don't know. Not urban renewal. Not selling life insurance. Right. I don't know. And I kept thinking about it. And then it hit me a couple of weeks later. I want to do what he does. Who? Earl Nightingale. And what does he do? I don't know. It just felt right. I wanted to be like him. Right. I wanted to help people grow. I wanted to help people succeed. Problem. I hadn't succeeded. Mm. I, had, I had the two things that would really limit a speaker's career. I'd never given a speech and I had nothing to say. <laughs> That'll kind of hold you back. Yeah, yeah. So I decided, okay, I'm going to take this guy at his word. I'm going to spend an hour at least, sometimes two or three or four hours extra beyond my job. Yep. studying the field of personal development. Audley, I'm going to show you what I read. Yep. There you go. All of these oh, books. Wow. Oh, my. <laughs> and more. Oh, my goodness. The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. The Way of Chuang Tzu by uh, Thomas Merton, Psycho-Cybernetics, Maxwell Maltz, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie, Zig Ziglar, See You at the Top a Few wow. Years Later, How to Be a Genius, and also The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles, Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Wow. This is, by the way, first edition. Oh, my goodness. My friend Bob Choate gave me that. Wow. wow yeah. That book's probably worth $2,500. Man. Those are some classics there, Jim. Yeah. Those are some of those books, you know, people in the industry refer to those as their foundation as for getting. Totally. Yeah, that's, you know, that's like the the Old Testament, you know, in, in yeah. biblical yeah, sense. Absolutely. You know, that's yep. that's where it all started wow. really growing and became what we be, we in retrospect call the human potential movement of the 70s. And I was at the cutting edge of that and became a very avid learner and started making a difference in my own life and right. then moved to the, where I was friends with Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, right. where I met people who had worked directly with Napoleon Hill, wow. who wrote Think and Grow Rich. I, I even did a, a podcast with his son, his grandson. Um, I got to know Earl Nightingale and Earl Nightingale, I was selling his uh, motivational tapes, audio cassettes in uh, 1974 and 75. And in 1984 and 85, he was selling mine. Wow. He sold three and a half million dollars of the audio program that Tony Alessandra and I created relationship strategies for dealing with the differences of people. Yeah. So I went from nowhere That's right. with, with nothing going for me except ambition and a loving family mm. to the top of my industry by following the advice of the classic motivational teachers of all time. And of course, I'm still learning and I'm reading you know, yep. all the time and, and yep. listening to programs like this. Um, but to get back to your question, the story that you asked me about, I... I was out of shape. I'd never been an athlete and I wanted to get in shape, but I knew I couldn't get myself to exercise every day. So I said, what can I get myself to do? It's kind of like, you know, what's the worst, least, tiniest thing I could do? I said, well, 
I could get myself to put on my running shoes. To which most people would say, and? (laughs) No, I could get myself to put on my running shoes. So what? Well, if I had on my running shoes, I'd be more likely to run. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you're gonna run. Well, okay, I'll put on my running shoes and walk out to the curb. Then what am I gonna do? Well, then I'm faced with a new question. Do I go for a run or a walk or do I go back in the house? So I said, okay, I'm going to commit to the, to the first step. Okay. Yep. First olive out of the bottle, beginning of the process. That's what I'm going to commit to. Now, what do, you, what do I mean when I say commit? I mean, there's no other option. I mean, when I'm in a hurry and it's almost midnight and I haven't done it yet, I'm going to run in the house, put on my running shoes, walk out to the curb, go back in the house, put on my regular shoes and do whatever I'm in a hurry to do. I, and I did for five years (laughs) and it changed my life i in about oh maybe three to six months i went from 200 pounds to 146 pounds and went from out of shape to in shape and i could run five miles easily without even getting out of breath Um, i started doing all kinds of other exercises and i I became almost hyper you know when i was standing around if 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 I had to be in a particular place, I might do chin-ups on the door facing, right. you know, just whatever, just to yeah, keep sure. my body active. Yeah. Well, here I am 74 years old. That was age 30-ish. And um, I'm still fit and active. And, so and, yeah. just committing to the start of the process yes. Yes. was enough. Yes, yes. And it, that meant in the snow, in the rain, in the oh. heat, Yep. You know, one night I was in a tuxedo and getting ready to go out to, to a special event with Paula, my wife. Yep. And um, I hadn't done it yet. So I ran back in the house, took off my, my tuxedo shoes, put on my running shoes, walked out to the curb, back in the house, put on the tuxedo shoes, back in the car. And she just rolled her eyes. <laughs> Jim. You know, people would say to me, Jim, it doesn't make yeah. any difference. Who's going to know the answer? I'm going to know. Like my friend Sam Gross, when he was trying to become more successful at one point in his career, he bought solid gold collar stays. And I said, Sam, you paid hundreds of dollars for those collar stays. He said, yeah. I said, nobody knows they're there. He said, Jim, I do. And it makes me feel more prosperous. And you know, it's just a, a way of building my faith in myself. Good for you, Sam. The little things we can do to motivate ourselves to take action. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, I very much like the wording committed to taking the first step because that's mm-hmm. really the first step is where it starts. You, you can't get to 100 until you get, you get past one, right? Well, that, that's the whole thing. People say to me, I can't do push ups. I say, sure, you can. You know, every time you get up in the morning, you've done the equivalent of a push-up, depending on which way you're facing. I said, but let's assume for a minute you can't do, say, 10 push-ups. Yep. Do me a favor, get down in the front leaning rest position or get down just laying face down on the floor. Well, why? Just please do it. And so they find a clean spot and they get down on the floor. And I say, okay, that's it. And they say, what? I say, you're done. Well, I'm not going to do push-ups. Nope. And they get up and I say, by the way, you just did one push-up. 
They say, yeah, I guess I did. I say, you know, you do that twice, you've got a hundred percent increase. Mm. <laughs> Everybody can do a push-up, you know, assuming they've got the appendages they need to do it. Sure. Right? Sure. So if you want to do more, do more. Right. But don't try to knock yourself out at first. That's right. Just do whatever you can get yourself to do, but don't ever miss a day. Right, right. Well, but if I, you do miss a day, yeah. shake off the guilt. Sure. Get back in the program. Well, and I think a, a big part of it, Jim, and, and what you certainly did is, is give yourself credit for what you've done, right? As opposed to, well, that really didn't count. Well, yeah, that was the first step because you need that first step to get more. So you gotta give, we got to give ourselves credit for what we do. Totally. My son, when he was in high school, yep. um, we had a chinning bar in the, in the doorway outside his bedroom or to his bedroom. And um, I would do chin-ups on that occasionally. And I didn't do a lot of them. But um, I said, hey, I want to challenge you. This was January 1st. I said, I'll challenge you to a chin-up contest. Um, starting January 1st, we will, we will make it official on April 1st. Yeah. And um, so on April 1st, you and I are going to have a contest. Right. And we're going to see who can do the most. So let's see what our benchmark is right now. And I did, I don't know, 12 or 15 or something. And he did three. I said, okay, so you got to go do through this doorway every day of your life. And uh, all you've got to do is every time you go through it, just reach up and do one. And if you feel like it, do two or three or four. Yeah. And, uh, and it'll grow. He said, okay. So he started off on it and I did too, because I would walk by that door every day and I would do them. Well, the day came and he did like 19, wow. which I thought was pretty darn good compared to three. Sure, sure, sure. And I did 50. Okay. 50 nonstop. Wow. Wow. And so I just kept going with it and I got to where I could do 150. No, at one time I did 200 in sets of 50. Now I guarantee you those last 50 were like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, you, you were still there. there. You were yeah. still there, Jim. That's what matters. Right? Yeah, again, right. give yourself credit. You were there and you did what had to be done. And again, when you look at the very beginning of this goal or this daunting mammoth of a, a, a goal that you're trying to meet, it's yeah. insurmountable. Yeah, but it's the baby, and what you're talking, and the message of hearing, uh, hearing loud and clear. You know the baby steps that you're taking. You know, first, first of all, what you did is you asked the question, "Says who?" And yeah. then you started making those baby steps to where now. Yeah, I can't do it yet. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, that's yet. Right. And that's today, right. my son, he'll be turning fifty in a week or so, mm -hmm. or a few weeks, and um, he is a runner now. So he's picked up the same habit patterns that I had, you know, from that time. And, yep. and wow. he's running half marathons and I, I think he intends to run a full marathon soon, but he'll, you know, he'll go off and run 10 miles. Wow. Well, good for him. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. That's and he was not an athlete. Um, he was never much of an athlete except as a youth soccer player, um, but in high school and, and college didn't work out, didn't run. Yeah. And so you'd think, well, hey, you know, he's almost 50 years old, you know, it's a little late. No, hardly. It's not too late. You know, he's still alive. So bring it on. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me about you. 
How do, how do these ideas show up in your life? Because clearly you've made something of yourself and you're sharing that with others. I'm going to share a story with you, Jim, um, uh, that, that, that resonates with me and very much what we're talking about. I haven't, uh, when, when, I, when I was a young boy growing up, confession, I never learned how to ride a bike. I never at all, at all. Um, you know, my friends rode, I just kind of watched them. And, and as time went on, I just thought, oh, I don't need to, I'm older now, right? And you become an adult and you find more reasons why you don't have to ride. And so I did it. Yeah. And uh, uh, in my early 40s, I, I kind of asked the same kind of question when I was in conversation with someone and we're talking about bike riding. And I was like, why not? Like, says who? Why can't I do it? Yeah, uh, and, I, and I remember I took a, me and a friend of mine, we went to a bike shop and again, I didn't know how to ride and I took her with me only for the, for, for the and, her, and the reason why she came along is she could test the bike for me and let me know how it felt, right? And so <laughs> she rode around the block, go, yeah, this is a good one. And I said, I'll take that one. Yeah. And, and Jim, I, I dedicated every single day from that point on to figuring out how to ride a bike. And when I got to that point where I was, you know, holding my balance and, you know, watch, you know, people came outside and some people, and I was openly, you know, people saw me doing it when they, when they saw that I was riding, they were cheering and clapping and applauding and it felt great. And it also inspired them. Well, it did. And I tell you what, it, it didn't stop there because then I became this biking fanatic and I was riding all I, it, it, I actually, I actually went back to the old neighborhood that I grew up and I, and I biked around there and what that did, it, Symbolic. it just, That's yeah, it was so, very much so. And what it also did, it, it opened up this area that I grew up as a child. It, it, it gave me a whole new perspective on it. You know, the back roads, and these laneways I used to walk down, I'm now running down at <laughs> full speed. And it was such a, a, a great moment. Um, I remember getting, a, a, you know, waking up one day and deciding, you know what? I want to ride to Niagara Falls, get on my bike and ride to Niagara Falls, which is about, 250 miles or about 400 kilometers from where yeah. where I live and I did it I did it I rode I rode all the way down and I, I had it set up where a friend of mine was driving back so I hitched the ride back <laughs> I wasn't riding there and back it was really <laughs> realistic but the point was that I did it and a lot was tied into the fact that I questioned why I couldn't and I took baby steps along the way very much what, what you're talking about um it, it was to me one of the uh, most exhilarating sort of periods in my life because it was so eye-opening and so sure. tying it all back to you know where I am now it's taking those sorts of lessons taking those learnings and applying and not even applying them but oh, yeah. sharing with others See, now you when you approach bicycling you're yeah. bold yeah going back to the first thing we said right Absolutely. your boldness mean there's no there's no self-doubt there's okay. no fear that's right. It's, you know, you're you're intelligent about how you do it. And you're safe about how you do it. But right. you boldly go where none have gone before. You know, you, <laughs> that's, that's, that's such a beautiful line that's from right. Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I years ago I was at a conference at Shangri-La Resort in Oklahoma. Yep. And my my client said, uh, "Do you water ski?" I said, "Yes, but I haven't yet." <laughs> Now, I had water skied uh, in Hot Springs, Arkansas as a high schooler, but I hurt myself. Okay. So I was getting out of the water. I pulled up on the thing and it popped and it hit my legs and made huge welts on my legs. And I got out of the water and stayed away from skiing forever. Uh, 
at least it seemed. And then I'm, here I am, and I'm now a motivational speaker and all this, and it's in the 19, late 1970s, early 80s, maybe. And this client says, do you water ski? And I said, uh, yes, but I haven't yet. Mm. And he said, well, come on. And I got up first time and did it. But first, I stood on the dock yep. and visualized it and worked on my own confidence level and got rid of all those you yeah. know, doubts for the moment. Now, you can't get rid of them, just sweep them away, but you can at least interrupt them. Lock them out, yeah. So I broke the pattern and interrupted the pattern and thought, what will it feel like? Okay, what am I gonna do? Great. Then I got in the water and sure enough, that was a breakthrough for me like you on the bicycle. And good for you for, for going for the gusto with that. That inspires me. It, you know, I, I remember there was a, a hill I used to ride every day. And I, I, it's similar to your, you know, the, the blue shoes, if you will. I got a little bit. I couldn't make up the hill. I'd get up and walk up the rest of the way. And then, you know, a little bit more I'd ride. I'd get another step. Okay, walk up the rest of the way. Until I got to the point where I rode all the way up this steep, you know, mountainous hill that I thought I couldn't overcome. And uh, that for me was as, as great as, you know, uh, riding all the way Niagara Falls was. That hill meant so much to me because it was that building each and every day until I got to where I needed to go to. So I love it's, that. It's, it's, it's amazing. And what I love about this an inspiring it, story. It, 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 to, it totally is. I, I, I remember, and it was actually, it, it sort of came at a really good point in my life. I was at a sort of a lower point in my life, and I was looking to something, and I looked at a bike, and the bike gave me the, the confidence. It gave me, I certainly had no self doubt. But what I also, found that I was doing, as, as you just said, is I was inspiring people just by me attacking my own demons, if you will, and jumping on this bike that I said I couldn't ride. So um, yeah, it was, it was tr tremendous, tremendous period in my life. And again, simple little bike. That's all it was, right? Yeah. <laughs> for me. I was in um, Malaysia, Georgetown, uh -huh. near Penang, Malaysia. It's a fishing village. Yep. And this was uh, December of 2019. Yep. And I was with a tour group. It was my academy. I was teaching a bunch of people and, and we went on a tour and they took us into this fishing village where there was a beggar. He was seated on the, the dirt near a, a little paved area, leaning back against a post, playing a guitar and singing American songs. And he had written out all of his song lyrics longhand and had a stack of loose leaf paper there in front of him. Yep. And he, he was decent at it. You know, I mean, he wasn't an accomplished guitarist, but he was competent. He could yep. do the chord shapes and make the strums. And uh, he had a wooden leg, not a wooden leg, a hollow leg with a mechanical lower part. And he was wearing raggedy clothes t-shirt and and some like sweatpants with holes in them yep. and he's sitting there with his legs crossed in the dirt leaning against this post and playing and singing and he's got a hat for tips so we're walking by and I'm, I'm with I don't know a dozen people and I I stopped and I got some money out and put it in his hat and then I started to walk on and I thought no wait a minute I really admire this guy you know he's he's not begging he's working and so I went back to him. I said, do you speak English? He said, yes. I said, what's your name? Halif. Well, Halif, my name is Jim. I said, I'm a guitarist and singer too. Could I sing a song with you? 
He said, sure, what do you want to sing? So I sat down in the dirt. That was important. I put myself equal to him. I crossed my legs and sat in the dirt right next to him. And um, I said, well, do you know uh, anything by the Eagles? He said, I know Hotel California. I said, perfect, perfect. And he said, do you want to play it? I said, yeah, I'll play it. So I got his guitar. Uh-huh. I always have mine. Yeah. And I just started playing. I started playing and, and we started singing and um, we sang the whole song wow. and the people walking by stopped because uh -huh. now it wasn't just a guy playing a song. Right. It was a couple of people doing right. a little duet. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and they, you know, we developed quite a crowd and they were throwing tips in his hat, which was cool. And uh, at the end of it, I posed for selfies with him, you know, put my arm around him and all that. And some of the people in my tour group, they said, how could you do that? How could you, you know, sit in the dirt and touch this unclean man? Mm. I said, what? How could I not? Oh, nice. I said, he's a fellow musician. He's a human being. He's, mm. he's a noble uh, soul working for a living and he's doing something I love to do. So why wouldn't I share it with him? Right. right. And they said, well, we just, you know, we don't understand. I said, well, first off, he inspired me. And second, I could have given him money, you know, lots of money maybe to him. Um, and it would have been helpful. Right. But I wanted to give him something that nobody else could give him. I wanted to give him a sense of normalcy and full unjudgmental acceptance. I wanted to give him the respect of saying, I see you as a totally equal human being and I admire and, and like you. Mm. And so we shared a moment of joy together and then you know I went on my way. Right. But I've talked about him a lot since then. I've made him sort of semi-famous through some of my speeches and, and podcasts and such. And um, I asked my interpreter later, she was asking me about it. Uh -huh. I said, I said, how long do you think he'll remember that experience? And she paused and reflected. She said, I think he'll never forget it. Mm. I said, and what did it cost me? Right. Nothing. It gave me an enjoyable experience. Right. All I had to do was drop all the judgment, all the, all the says who, you know, and just do what was the right thing, the joyful, the appropriate, loving thing to do. Amazing. And so it's not about me. It was just about acknowledging and honoring him. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. You know, it's funny. I was going to, I was going to ask you about your music playing because I know how, how much of a passion is for you and very timely you brought that out. So I, I, I thank you. Uh, <laughs> great story. No, no, I, no. And, 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 and the reason why I, I wanted to talk about the music because uh, that passion, I, we, it's so, so important that we have 
you know, this thing that we're passionate about and uh, that what will, that will drive us to do all sorts of great, remarkable things. And, and I know how much music, how much you love music. So uh, really? it, it's, can I share one more thing with you? Sure you can. Sure Yesterday you can. morning when I woke up, I yep. was writing a song. Yesterday morning. Okay. And I, uh, I came up with the lyrics, but not the tune yet. Okay. So here it is. This is from yesterday morning. Every dream needs a person who's wanting to succeed. Every heart needs a way to share its love. Every soul has a seed. Every habit was once a deed. Every boy needs a man he can become. Mm. I tried to make that gender uh, neutral, but it didn't rhyme. Every valley has a hill. Each spirit has a will to be the one we always knew we could become. I think that's going to make a nice song. Well, and again, we touched on the seed of potential once again. Uh, you know, that, that's, yep. that very much exists. And uh, one, one last thing, Jim, before before we go, and I so much appreciate that uh, the chat has been phenomenal to share and, and, and chat mm. with you. Um, how, how did you come to the, the ACORN principle? Uh, how did you land on that? How did that uh, come? I was, I was using a joke in, in my seminars. I, I owned a psychological research firm at the time. Yep. We had done a lot of research into multiple things that go beyond personality. And, um, and so the book was not yet a reality and I didn't have that metaphor. I was, but I would tell a story. I would say um, this acorn uh, was seeking, you know, some guidance on how to become successful. And it was told, you should aspire to become a giant redwood. Here's a book on the power of redwood thinking. Read that. It's by Dr. Norman Vincent Tree. You read that and it'll change your life. Watch redwoods and see what they do and pattern yourself after them. Say this affirmation every day. I am a redwood, great and tall. My mighty branches shelter all. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and people like me. No, not gonna become a redwood, just gonna become a really insecure oak, right? So anyway, I, I would use that story and get a laugh. And one day, a colleague of mine, an author who uh, had an office next door to me, Dr. Spencer Johnson, he wrote the book, Who Moved My Cheese? He co-authored The One Minute Manager with Ken Blanchard. Spencer said, what's the name of your book? And I said, third thoughts. You know, people talk about second guessing. They have okay. second thoughts. Well, what's the next level? You go beyond uncertainty to clarity. That right. would be third thoughts. He said, that's intellectually clever, but nobody's going to get it. Why don't you call your book The Acorn Principle? And I said, why? Nobody will know what that is. He said, yeah, but they'll be curious. So they'll pick it up. And I said, well, why the acorn principle? He said, because that little story you tell. Oh. And I said, so what's the acorn principle? He said, you tell me, it's your book. <laughs> I said, well, the acorn principle is the seed of your potential already lives inside you. So become what you're naturally designed to become, not something else. You know, an acorn that aspires to be an oak can be a mighty oak and foster generations of future oaks. Uh, acorn that aspires to be a redwood will be insecure and die as a little shrub right. or become squirrel food. So 
the acorn principle is the seed of your potential lives within you. Nurture your nature. You develop the strengths and you make your weaknesses irrelevant. <laughs> full, let's go full circle, Jim. Full circle. There you go. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I can't say much I've appreciated this enough. Um, it's been phenomenal to, to chat and catch up with you again. And uh, I really think our listeners and viewers will walk away with uh, some really, really good insights. And so thank you for that. And, and thank you for the work that you continue to do because uh, as we've made it clear, you're, you're, you're far from done and there's still much for you to accomplish. So thank well, someday you. we'll go for a bike ride and then we'll sit and make some music. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And, I, and, I, won't, and, I, and I, can, I won't say that I can't do it because I'm not a guitar player, but says yeah. says I can't be one, right? You're not a guitar player yet. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> if you put your hands on a guitar and you do this, uh-huh. at that moment, you are a, a player. I played a guitar, guitar player. That's yep. right. And then you just learn a couple more things. How would the person I'd like to be do the things I'm about to do? It's much better when you can see from a higher point of view. How would the person I'd like to be do the things I'm about to do if you want to build a better world be a better you awesome great thank you be well Jim all the best you too bye-bye back we are here on the podcast uh, it was great chatting with Jim and first off I really want to thank you Jim for being so gracious with your time uh, and, and your willingness to share your wisdom and hey I uh, also appreciated hearing your musical talents uh, so that was totally awesome um, you know when I sort of think about our conversation and I reflect a bit you know just really appreciative in the manner in which you know Jim broke down our goals into bite-sized morsels and I think the the story of the blue sneakers can give anyone that belief that they can achieve whatever uh, it is that they're after. So uh, again, thank you to Jim. I was absolutely great and appreciate uh, you taking the time. Um, you know, hey, listen, by the way, if, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, uh, you can do so by heading over to my site at bestaudaciouslife.com, uh, entering your email, and, and of course, you'll be alerted every time there's new content uh, that comes out. Uh, we've reached the end uh, of this week's episode, and I want to give a big shout out as always to our, our listeners for your ongoing support. Uh, it is always appreciative, and I want to thank you for making the Audacious Living Podcast a, a part of your day. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.